Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with the pulse from six to seven on seven fifty. The game. The crowd helped again. I know our guys love playing at home, but the crowd helps a ton. Every night, every uh, day we play at home, these uh, our fans make a huge, huge difference. And obviously, we get one more opportunity in a couple of weeks for that. We'll talk about Oregon and Oregon State. They'll meet in a couple weeks, as Jonathan Smith pointed out there. I want your phone calls, 503-417-7575. Tell me what you think happens in that rivalry game. Jack Coletto's been joining us this season. JackHammerColetto.com if you want some of his apparel. Oregon State linebacker threw a hell of a spiral last Saturday. It was the most beautiful thing. I'd almost brought rain, Jack Coletto. That was a tight spiral, man. Thank you. Appreciate that. How'd that feel? How'd that feel as a linebacker, former quarterback, you know, back there throwing a pass again? Pretty nostalgic, if you ask me. It's like poetry in motion. Beautiful. All right. You ended up up down uh, with what looked like a hamstring injury. How are you feeling? I got to ask you. Well, it wasn't a hamstring, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. What what happened? What was the injury? Do you want to talk about it? Um, it was basically just like a hip related injury, okay. but it, it's my, so. nothing that a linebacker. You know, it, tell me this: like we think of linebackers as tougher than other positions. Do you find that mindset to be true? Or who's the toughest position group on the team in general? Um. Well, I mean, these are guys who've taken a lot of trauma. Like, O-line, you got to be tough. Yeah. That's definitely a linebacker is another one. And I'd also throw on running back and tight end in there as well. Taking some abuse, those guys. But I always see linebackers, like, you know, they dislocate a finger, they just pop it back in, they go back out, you know, for another series. You know, as a quarterback, you take a shot like that in the hip, and you, you, might, you might be out for a while. But as a linebacker, everybody kind of expects you just to get back in there. Yeah, it is kind of funny now that you say that. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the expectation. Tell me how you guys are feeling going to Arizona State. What do you see on film? Arizona State's a, another team that can beat us if we're not prepared and don't take these practices seriously, game seriously. And I, from 2018, because that was the last time we went down there and I was down there, it's, it's a tough place, place to play. What makes, desert, so. Yeah, give me an idea, because as a, as a media member, there's some stadiums I really like to go into, but I'm not playing a game on the field. Do you have a stadium or two in this conference that you just sort of look around when you get in there and you, and you go, this is special, like, you know, this is, this is a fun place to play a game, regardless if they're good, you're good, it's just fun to be on the field? From what I remember, Utah was a good one, just because whenever I go into a you kind of look for the energy. If the energy yeah. there, that's there. Okay, be cool. Utah was good. Washington was another good one with uh, a lot of a lot of energy and juice in that stadium. So, 
it, it was very cold at Research Stadium on Saturday night, but you're playing in the game. Did it feel cold on the field? And I noticed on both sides, and even in some of the other night games in the Pac-12, we were seeing some hamstrings. We were seeing some injuries. It, is it that time of year, or do you think it's the cold weather changing? What's going on with the conference and suddenly a rash of injuries? I mean, any 12-week season and playing that many amount of games and honestly probably starting since August and just all that prolonged work, I mean, stuff's bound to, bound to happen eventually. And I guess it was just a coincidence that it happened this last week. It could have happened the week before. But, yeah, it's just that kind of time of year. Everything hurts for everybody, and you just have to kind of push through. But on the field, I mean, once you warm up, especially in dry cold like that, once you warm up, you don't really feel. Yeah, I needed to warm up. Uh, Let let me ask you this, too. Uh, If we are improving college football, here's my theory on that. I think we should start the season sooner by, like, a week or two and give everybody an extra bye. Are you you a fan of, like, a late-season bye week, like in week seven or eight, get a second bye, or do you just like to play every week and get in rhythm? I think two bye weeks would be really nice, just in terms of recovery and stuff like that. I mean, one bye week's manageable if it's at a decent time. I mean, the past few years I've been here, the bye week's always been at a decent time. It's never really been an issue, but say if you were to get a bye week, week three, and then you're playing seven, eight games straight in a row, that can take a toll on your body. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd be, I'd be for a two-bye game. Yeah, I think, two-bye. too, because sometimes, you you know, a bye will come early for some teams, and then I always wonder, like, how that feels to them to get, a, like, a bye week in week four versus maybe week seven where where they it could do them some more good or help get some guys back from injuries. Uh, we're talking to Jack Coletto, Oregon State uh, linebacker, who is with us. All right, you've been there for a while. You've seen Jonathan Smith operate, you know, build this program. What do you make of this? Because from the outside, it's pretty remarkable to see, you know, a team that was a two-win team. Coach bailed on that team before, you know, Jonathan got there. Now suddenly this is a team that could win nine regular season games, could be a ten-win team if you win a bowl game and win out. Like, it's a very different feel. Like, what has it been like to be on the inside of that? Well, it's just been nice to be a part of that entire process, just from the transformation and when we, when I first stepped in here, which was uh, Coach Smith's first year, to what it is now. It's just the standards and expectations the players have of each other and the coaches have of the players is a lot higher. And it's really just been able to progress throughout the years as we've been able to bring in talent and develop the talent we already have. JackHammerColetto.com if you want to check out the Jack Coletto merchandise. Uh, again, he's helping the Wounded Warrior Project all season long by giving 25% of the proceeds to the Wounded Warriors. Um, all right, look, you've got Arizona State. you got a rivalry game with Oregon. You have a bowl game. What is Jack Coletto? What's on your bucket list this season as you sort of look at that final uh, three games? In terms of goals or Personal goals, yeah. Personal goals, expectations. You know, are you soaking it in at this point? Like, you know, give us a – what's your mindset? I mean, for me, I'm one day at a time. I, all I know is it's Tuesday, almost 4 o'clock, and <laughs> we got ahead of us. 
I love it. All right. All right, so wait, defensively, you're looking at Arizona State. They've been a little bit all over. They've had some games where it looks like any given day, you know, they can obviously beat anybody. Anybody can do that in this conference. But what's going on with them lately in your mind when you see film of them? Um, I think it's just they definitely have talent on their side, of that, that side of the ball, and really both sides of the ball, especially special teams and I mean, there's there's talent there, and they're in some games. It just hasn't really gone their way throughout the year. Man. So, whether it's like they pulled together the last two games, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. But that's ultimately what I've seen. It's just there's a lot of potential and talented guys on that set on the Arizona State roster, and they could do some good things. Stanford got 27 on you guys. Washington got 24. Uh, Washington State got 10. Colorado got 9. Cal only got 3 on offense. Defensively, you guys uh, are playing lights out. Do you think you're the best defense in the conference? I mean, if we weren't number one, I'd say we have to definitely be up there, at least in the conversation. And there's some there's some good defensive teams out there in the league. I mean, Utah's one of the – they've been known to have a good defense, be sound. And – there's other good defenses around the league, but I think we definitely have to be up there. How does it? How does that happen? Because it was just, you know, I get you get some turnover of players, but Coach Bray, since he took over the defense, it just feels like there's just been a shift of mindset. Is it? Is it that? Is that an oversimplification? Is there something else going on that the rest of us don't see? No, I'd say that's that's accurate with what went on. I mean, he implemented a system that was simple and effective and made sense and puts the offense in conflict. I like that. I like how you think about that. Puts the offense in conflict. I've heard pitchers talk about the disruption of timing with a hitter. Is it similar with a defense? You're just trying to disrupt what they're doing because there's a lot of timing on offense? Oh, definitely, and it's like the more you have to make the quarterback read after the snap and be able to disguise stuff, the better you're going to be as a defense because it's just going to force the quarterback to make mistakes. I love it. it Bray is always he's pacing around during games. You notice this on the sideline? When you're on the field, do you see him pacing back and forth and back and forth, or are you just getting a signal and you're focused on what's in charge of you? How could you not notice him pacing back and forth on the sideline? Get his steps in. Yeah, absolutely. He does that at practice too. He goes pacing around. I just yeah, good exercise. I, I do you think he does that? Is it because the player, like as a linebacker himself, you know, he can't make a play, right? So he's he's basically putting you in position to make those plays. And he's got to be doing something physical, like he has to be moving in order. It's almost like a shark that doesn't want to stop swimming. I, I keep telling him, it's like, either stand still or jog a little bit, but he just does walking better on the knees, I guess. I guess so. All right, Jack Coletto, uh, you, you're feeling all right. Are you practicing? Are you healthy? I'm good. We're taking it day by day. So I'm, I'm definitely feeling pretty good about how – my recovery has been progressing, and we'll see. All right. And from a player standpoint, help us out here because, you know, you, you put in the work in the fall camp and in the spring, and you get into the season, and I've heard NFL players talk about this. They, 
they just, you know, they know the assignment. They know their bodies have muscle memory. In the course of a typical week at this course, at this point of the season, you know, how many days of practice do you need to be at your best and to be able to go? Like if, if a guy's banged up, is it enough to come in on Wednesday and then a little bit on Thursday and be ready to go for the game? Or do you even need that? Could, you, could a guy play with one day of practice? Well, I do believe, it, especially during the course of a season, you could probably go, I would say, probably about like one week of not doing that and kind of showing up and like being used to the game speed. But if you were to do that for a pro period of time, the game would start to feel faster just because you're not getting the amount of bank reps you need. Yeah. And probably even if you're going to get the physical reps during the practice during the week, you still have to take a lot of mental reps to be able to understand what's going on. How much film do you watch? Are you a film guy? Yeah, I really dive in to a lot of film. I, I try to get as much like pre-snap reads as I can and do whatever I can to make the game as easy as possible for me on Saturdays. Yeah, look, you guys have been lights out on defense. Keep it going. It's been fun to talk to you. Uh, we will catch you next week. Uh, go get Arizona State, and uh, we'll be set up for – a big Thanksgiving feast, and then uh, and then a big football game with Oregon and Oregon State at Reeser Stadium. Jack Coletto, thank you. Great. Thanks for having me. There he is, Jack Coletto, Oregon State. You feel a little gamesmanship there, Stephen? Yeah. I mean, he uh, said, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. Day by day. Uh, no, no information. So, yeah, I think that's. I think you're right on with this. I'm, I'm just wondering it, how healthy is he. We don't know, you know. But, but nobody, like, what advantage do they have to tell us? Uh, Bo Nix, how healthy is he? Uh, I want your phone calls. Oregon, Oregon State, tell me what you make of these programs right now. 503-417-7575. we got college football playoff rankings coming up top of the hour as well. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. A spooky song there. Every time that plays, I don't know if it's meant to be spooky, but I I always look behind me like somebody creeping up on me. 503-417-7575 is the phone number. I want to know uh, what you're thinking. What's a, what's on your mind when it comes to the Ducks and the Beavers and these football teams? We talked a lot about it in the last 45 minutes. I want your take now. Chad's in Portland. Chad, go ahead. Hey, what's up, John? Long time since I've talked to you, man. I'm listening to your show uh, this time slot again. I'm loving it, man. But I feel like I'm Mugatu and Zoolander taking crazy pills uh, with Dan Lanning getting a pass. I mean, I'm glad you played that piece earlier where he, like, apologized and said he would do corrective action to every single thing except the idiotic clock management. I mean... I know that, like, you know, it's pressure and that's a big game and he's a young uh, coach, but he's also a very well-compensated young coach. I mean, you're not getting a, the wrong coffee from a guy that's making minimum wage at Starbucks, dude. This guy's making serious money, and if you can't make, like, what seems like the most simple decision ever, I mean, I, I commented on your piece on Facebook and people were shredding me saying that's a good idea to – take that fourth down 
in the fourth quarter? That's just insane. I'll take yeah, it off time. I, yeah, Love I didn't like I didn't like the call, and I wrote about it. I thought there were three things in particular that Lanning did in the game that were bad news. Uh, number one, uh, I didn't like the call on fourth and one from your own 34. I, I think that was the wrong call. But I, what I would have appreciated more is if Dan Lanning had called timeout there and said, hey, let me think about this. Because I, I felt like there, it was a little bit rushed. I felt like it was haphazard. I just didn't like sort of the feel of things. It felt desperate. Fourth and one from your own 34. Hold on, you're in a tie game. What are you doing? Uh, second thing, I look, I and I'm going to say this, and I know that some of you are going to love it and some of you are going to hate it. But I have all season long looked at Bo Nix and the number of times that he runs with the football, and I have thought about Justin Herbert's collarbone, and I've thought about Dennis Dixon's ACL, and I have gone, hey, they're living this way with Ty Thompson as your backup. Nothing personal, but feels a little risky. Feels a little bit like, are, are you really willing to play this game? And so it's been in the back of my mind. It has been something that I've written about, and... And I didn't like Bo Nix running with the football in that situation because Oregon had marched down the field just handing the football off, letting Bo Nix throw. I, in that situation, nine-yard line going in, and you know he takes a helmet to the knee or whatever you want to call the injury. Nobody's really talking about it. Whatever it was, knocked him out of the game. Uh, in my mind, that wasn't a great trade-off. That was a, a high-risk, low-reward proposition. And even if Nick's waltzes into the end zone and Oregon wins the game, is it this week? Is it next week? If you're playing that game, if you're running your quarterback as much as Oregon was running Bo Nix, I think you have to be willing to accept that, hey, there is some risk with this. So I just don't think with Ty Thompson as the backup, it's been wise for Oregon to utilize Nix as often as they are in the run game. feel like it's a little haphazard. Uh, third thing was the onside kick. I get it. He didn't have faith in his defense. He wanted to steal a possession. He did it against UCLA, but we're all expecting it now that they, they did it against UCLA. And I just, I think, uh, you know, obviously Washington sniffed it out when he changed personnel. And that was it. Uh, is he getting a pass? No. I don't think he's getting a pass. But I also think he does not deserve to get hammered. Uh, and especially now that he is owning it a little bit, I don't think he deserves to get hammered. Mark's in Portland. Go ahead, Mark. I think we're uh, we're ignoring the elephant in the room, John. The Ducks yep. have the, arguably the worst defense in the Pac-12, and they've been dodging bullets all year. They dodged a bullet against Washington State, and Dan Lanning. You know, I'm not agreeing with what he did, but you could, I could totally understand why he's leaving the ball up to his in his offense's hands. He has no faith in his defense, and why should he? We've talked about how they've scored 40 points a game since the Georgia game. Well, the one time they didn't score 40-plus points, they lost. So they're a dog chasing their tail. Their defense is absolutely horrible. I love the money line on Utah this week. I don't know how you could favor the Ducks. In the la- their last three games are their toughest three games. They're playing two teams with probably the best two defenses in the league, and that's what wins conference championships. That's what wins playoffs is defense. And the Ducks have the worst defense in the Pac-12. It's time to start talking about that and understanding a little bit why this guy keeps going for it. He went for it in situations against Washington State where you were going, what's he doing? 
and, and he's been doing it all year yeah. because he has no faith in his defense. He has That's no faith in his opinion. defense, but I, I think on fourth and one from your own 34, if you're going to do that, you take a timeout there, especially if you have Ty Thompson at quarterback. Now, why are they so bad on defense with a guy who is a D coordinator as their head coach? I want more of your phone calls. 503-417-7575. Dan Lanning and the Ducks. Let's talk about it. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Hang on, Flerv. Hang on, Sean and Sandy. Hang on, Dave and Aloha. Uh, I've got two lines open now with those two calls gone. I want more of your phone calls. And Beaver fans, where are you? Heading into two weeks from now, the game formerly known as the Civil War will be held at Reeser Stadium. Where's the enthusiasm for a 7-3 and Oregon State team? Where is it? I want to hear from you. By the way, Mike Parker coming on tomorrow's show. We'll talk to him about the Beavers tomorrow. More of your phone calls coming up. Leave it here. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.